Well, just north of our border, Robert Mugabe um, donned a cowboy hat for his big all-day birthday bash. That's probably still going on. Loves a birthday festival, old Mugabe. Just loves them. Last year, 100 cows were slaughtered. This year, 150. And uh, former finance minister Tendai BT slamming the lavish party on Twitter, saying cultish parasites gathered in Matabo to pay homage to a geriatric occult deity while the citizen drowns in pain and poverty. Mugabe's message to the nation on his 93rd birthday was the reassurance that he would be running again in 2018. He will be 94 years old. I don't know how that's physically possible. But um, some of the things he told the state broadcaster is that he feels there's no replacement, there's no successor, um, and people you know, he says, would want to judge everyone else on the basis of Robert Mugabe as the criteria. Now, I've watched that interview. His eyes are closed throughout the entire thing. He takes literally 30 seconds between each word, and you can barely hear what he's saying. Um, his wife has said he will run as a corpse, and I'm telling you, he's not far off. Um, will the man ever retire? I'm not sure. Well, I read an opinion piece on CNN's website um, recently by a man called David Kawua, and he's an associate professor of international studies at Princeton, and he poses the question, if Africa is so young, why are its leaders so old? And it really is a fascinating article. Gabon's Omar Bongo has been president for, was president for 41 years when he died at the age of 73 in 2011. Hastings Banda, Malawi's self-proclaimed president for life, was in his late 90s when he was ousted from office in 1994. And Robert Mugabe, at the age of 93, is officially the oldest leader in the world, standing for re-election. So our continent has the youngest population in the world, according to the United Nations. The median age is 19 and a half. But Kawua says that only between 15 and 21 percent of the country's population um, were around when these old guys came to power. 83 percent of Zimbabweans were born after Mugabe came to power in 1980. Joining us on the line is Filippo Weira. He's a journalist. He's an international producer based in Istanbul, Turkey. Philip is originally from Kenya, from Kasumu, if I remember correctly, and has a master's degree in African studies. Thanks for joining us, Phil. Thank you. Phil, old men desperately clinging to power, surrounded by a population that's more connected and informed than ever before. How much of an influence do you think a young population will have on the continent? Well, Melanie, first of all, if you basically look at African politics in general, like old men like Mugabe and the ones that you've mentioned before have been in power for a very long time. And besides the, besides the obvious use of um, violence and oppression and um, shutting out of opposition, there's also this urban versus rural divide that's a big thing in many African continents where the urban population generally are more modern, they're more in tune with the world, they have access to the internet, newspapers, they're more well-read. They often tend to reject all of these authoritarian leaders. And if you do see in many African states that are like this, you'll find that the authoritarian leaders sometimes don't even hold a mayorship in the cities and towns that they are basically ruling. However, in the rural areas, they remain the pop- they have much bigger population base, and they still have many, many supporters based on that. In addition to that, you also have um, 
them controlling the security state into patronage. So basically, they have a lot of cronies that they normally pay off, like heads of military, heads of other security establishments, who basically help you know keep him in power or keep them in power for a very long time. So they are pretty much. The, the, these cronies know that if they go, their whole system is over. But um, why are these they... guys? Sorry, Phil, but why are these guys clinging to power so desperately? Surely they should be retiring with a pina colada on some tax haven island somewhere. It, it's not about them itself. It's about the entire system that they're running. The entire system that's basically around them, um, where they're the ones who are in charge. But at the same time, there's like an entire of people who are basically looting the state pretty much they're using state resources to gain more power and gain more wealth and influence it's been done for a very very long time because if a leader goes then a whole bunch of people who basically mm-hmm. are using the state to become rich go as well and many of these people are in the security establishment as well and so the whole thing falls apart and when Mugabe says there's nobody to replace him he's right when he says there's no one to replace him because he's basically used an entire system where there's a massive vacuum underneath him. Um, so if he goes, what happens next? There's no plan for the country. He's never had a plan for the country. Just look at um, Libya, for example. It was just one man running the country for so many years. And when he left, there was nothing else. And so the whole country is now listening to chaos with various factions trying to win legitimacy against each other. And many of these factions were people who you know, used to work for him were all, all part of that patronage network who are now basically competing against each other to become in charge of the country. It's the same pattern all over the world. So say Mugabe goes facing the soup tonight, what happens? It's very unclear what's going to happen in Zimbabwe. It's very, very unclear. It's a very, um, the opposition in Zimbabwe is very, very weak. Um, the ZANU-PF itself is very divided. Um, his wife is basically seen, his partner is basically seen as a person who will run um, when he goes. But at the same time, I don't think his wife receives widespread support amongst the ZANU-PF establishment, amongst the security establishment. So there will be a power vacuum when he goes. And so Zimbabwe will be basically be placed in a chaotic situation if he goes because there's no plan, there's no succession plan for when he disappears. In that interview with the state broadcaster, he also um, praised Donald Trump. That's a first. Well, again, Mugabe comes from a very interesting, very complicated background. Mugabe basically has a conservative-leaning edge to him. I mean, he was grown up, he was brought up in a missionary. Um, he basically was a staunch Roman Catholic. And so he has a lot of conservative values in him. And when, if, even if you look at throughout the 80s, when Zimbabwe was basically very successful, um, when it was basically, you know, seen as a jewel of Africa, as an African success story, it was during Margaret Thatcher's era where he basically got on with Margaret Thatcher quite well. And so he's quite conservative-leaning, and he's basically hoping that um, a Trump relationship would basically bring a new, you know, change to Zimbabwe. Um, it would basically bring a new... Order a new, a refreshing new, cha- a refreshing new um, regime to Zimbabwe. And also, um, I think a few years back, if I remember correctly, um, one of Trump's daughter, one of Trump's sons, was um, in the media headlines for killing a lion in Zimbabwe somewhere. So I think that he does have some connection to Trump, and it does kind of hope that the Trump presidency a- is going to reverse in is going to have a reverse of fortunes for Zimbabwe. Maybe he's hoping for the same kind of relationship that Trump has with Putin. Philippa Weira, uh, international producer, uh, African studies expert, thank you so much for your time.
Thank you.